Thank you for pressing play on this episode of A-Sides. It's episode 110. It is our year-end wrap-up for 2022. Brent and I sat down to discuss our favorite albums of the year, but I also wanted to record this introduction to thank everyone that has listened to the podcast this last year and even before that as we've been doing this for three years and have to send special shout-outs to all the guests that I've talked to this year. I had a goal at the start of the year that I wanted to do one solo episode a month, and I hit that goal and went beyond by a little bit. So I got to do shout-outs to John Masali of The Truth Council, Shane, Denny, Kenny, Rizzo, Matt Anderson, all my friends in The Great Affairs, and also new friends like Josh Ketchmark, Zach St. John, Freddie Herrera from Everclear, also new guests, Arnella from The Rumors, Liv Warfield. It was awesome talking to her ahead of her huge show here in Peoria. Also, Toshi from Audrey Horn. I've become a big fan of those guys over the last two years or so during the pandemic. And also, Sam Colton and Patrick Stone of Butterside. So thank you to everyone who's been a part of A-Sides and everyone that's listened. And last but not least, to my partner in this podcast, Brent Stortzum. Thank you, dude. Couldn't do it without you. Look, it's rock and roll! And... Cue music! Merry Christmas, moving home! Merry Christmas, you wonderful belly alone! Merry Christmas, filthy animal! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to another A-Sides Presented by Trident Hero IPA. Yeah. From the depths of the sea. From the depths of the depth of the depth of the sea. <laughs> yes, I'm going to have a lisp this entire episode, too. I actually feel like I sound pretty good with a lisp. Yeah. Another set of microphones in front of another set of fine-looking fellas. Yeah, and a lot of drinks, too. Mm-hmm. Ho, ho, ho. Got our Christmas story glassware. Well, we're back for another episode of A-Sides. Yay! Yeah, it's the year-end holiday Fucking show. Fucking wrapping 2022 up. Yeah. It's good. Good riddance. I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm getting mm. old enough to where I need to hang on to every year <laughs> I can, dude. I feel like every year I get older, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to be 42 next month. I know any of all our older listeners are probably going to be shaking their head at me and rolling their eyes like... Oh, fuck, you talk to me in 10 years, talk to me in 20 years. You youngsters. Yeah, but they all fucking said it too when they were my age. Mm-hmm. I think 40's the threshold, man. You cross it and it's just shit starts getting real. Yeah, don't you like, got to get life... like prostate exam? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I haven't had one of those yet. Oh. So. Well, I'm good for a while. I brought that up one time, but then I think the doctor just thought I was hitting on her. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, sir, you got you, you got a few more years before we have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I just, sorry. <laughs> but hey, if you uh, want to practice, I'm just saying, here I am. <laughs> I took a shower. <laughs> I took a shower before I came, so. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Well, I was going to say, since it's the year end, do you have any highlights, like any cool concerts you saw this year? Because you just saw a couple recently. Well, I think that I think the uh, Merciful Fate and this last one with Wasp and Armored Saint, I think those were the only two I can even remember going to. I don't know. Did I go to other ones? I don't. I feel like there was uh, something Liv this Warfield? summer. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But see, that I was, was there with you. That was how many months ago? I can't oh, remember April? that far back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was April. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great show. So there was that, and then I feel like there was something over the summer, but maybe not. Yeah, I guess I didn't really go to a lot this year for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed like there was a, quite a few at the Civic Center, but I didn't really hit any of those. Yeah, I didn't go. We talked about going to Ghost because Skyla wanted to go, and then we never went. But yeah, shit's expensive, yeah. especially Ticketmaster. So hopefully the government, you know, slaps them around a little bit. Well, how about you? What, what shows did you see? I think you probably saw more than I did. Yeah, I got a problem, but um, <laughs> I think my favorite of the year might be seeing Alice Cooper and taking Kelly to that because uh, she got to experience it. And then, like, we both like walked away with picks or whatever. Yeah, um, his and her guitar <clears throat> picks. Oh, there you go. And then she got the finger guns from uh, Chuck, uh, his bass player. Or no, she didn't get the finger guns. She did the finger guns. Like, oh. Yeah. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I remember the whole finger gun conversation. I thought the Liv Warfield show was badass, though. She's like powerhouse singer. No, it was. That was really going to it not knowing really what to expect, because I was only really familiar with her as a backup singer for Prince and whatnot. Even with that, I've only seen concert footage of her with him, so pleasant surprise. Yeah, hopefully she comes back. Yeah, I think the Merciful Fate show was probably the highlight for me, just because, I mean... You know, it was the first show they had done, first U.S. tour they've done in, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And I wanted to go to that Psycho Fest thing, but it was just too expensive and hard to justify spending that kind of money to see one band, because the other bands I didn't really care that much about. Although it still would have been a fun time, but, you know, it was I was happy that they did that. The Wasp show was a little bit more of a letdown. Like, I mean, Armored Saint fucking killed it, and it was cool to see Wasp, but, I mean, there's probably more live vocal tracks at a Britney Spears show than there was at that one, dude. It was, you know, like it just felt like the CD was just playing. Damn. You know, like you just couldn't, nobody, the fucking backing vocals on a band like that especially are not ever going to sound that good. And so it just didn't even feel live. It was weird. Like Hmm. it just was really fucking weird. And it didn't really help that the set list was, you know, pretty short typical and there was stuff but there was stuff missing that like why would you not have headless children why not play that song yeah you know they played one song off that record and it was you know or some of those ones that were in the medleys i thought could have been like you know the full song right yeah which those were i mean even do an animal like it was pretty much the full song like all the way up through the guitar solo and then it went into uh, okay, I didn't know if it was just verse, chorus, and then on to the next no, one. No, they were pretty long. I mean, okay. I think maybe that first medley, maybe those songs were abbreviated a little bit more, but they always did that. I mean, their live records, you know, had medleys like that on it and stuff. That was cool. The only thing that lost me was the two boring-ass ballads from <laughs> The Crimson Idol, like right in the middle of the show. Yeah. It was like, fuck. I lost it. They, or they lost me then, I should say. Like, I just was ready to be done. I was like, well, show's over. Let's go home. I was just <laughs> leaning against a chair, you know, because the songs were long, fucking boring. And there's those dorks that like the, they love the concept records that Wasp has done and whatnot. I'm just not really one of them. I don't mind that one as much as like the Neon God records I thought were stupid, but whatever. <laughs> just a little bit of a disappointment. I had fun and we went to Kuma's and fucking goddamn ate ourselves into a coma it was terrible like it was so hard to snap out of that we were like back in the hotel room like taking a nap i'm like why the fuck did we do that it was good it was so fucking good but i think next time we go there i'm just gonna like 
tell Courtney, like, hey, we're going to decide on something we both can eat, and we'll just split it, and then get, like, you get a side salad or something, and I'll eat the fries or whatever, but, like, that That would be much. the best way to do it, because, like, I feel like I always want to go to Kuma's, but then afterwards I kind of regret it, because I'm like, why did I eat that whole thing? And then I polished off all the fries. Yeah, and the fries are good, so yeah. you can't not eat them. Yeah. So, I don't know. What can you do? Had the goat snake. It was fucking awesome. At least you didn't have to drive back after that, because usually that's what I do. It's just like eating and then seeing a show and then driving back. And I'm yeah. like, I just want to just lay down. <laughs> I don't think I could go to a show after that. I would just be done. Oh. Sitting down. I'd have to sit at the show. Like, I'm not standing. See, I'm just a glutton for punishment then, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we kind of fucking pigged out, though, like the night before. We got, we, Brian pre-ordered a pizza at the place across the street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we got done at the show and, like, went to, what's it called, like, Riverside, I think? Riverside Pizza? Yeah. yeah right across the street from the Arcadia Theater there. Yeah. Yeah. Really good pizza. But it's like, so we were, you know, we drank a lot. We were all pretty buzzed up and then went and devoured all that pizza and it was like shit man so i mean i pretty much woke up with heartburn and a gut ache you know <laughs> oh man you just remind me of this because like i came back from arizona but i was there for a week visiting my aunt and uncle and all i pretty much did was eat carbs like non-stop you know the whole time and then jim brewer was at that alice cooper christmas pudding and he was talking about Basically, that stuffing yourself with food, and he goes, we eat like we have eight rectums. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because I pretty much ate all this stuff, and then was like shitting the next day for like, felt like two hours. Yeah, it's like, terrible. Wake up and have a two-hour shit. <laughs> two-hour shit. shit. And then just go do it over again. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're on vacation, man, it's like hard to not, you know, because there's all, like, I had never been, I don't think I'd ever been to St. Charles. I've been to... You know, there's so many different little yeah. suburbs up there around Chicago. It's kind of a cool little town with that little river right there. It is. And then... It's And there's a lot. There's a yeah. lot of breweries and really good restaurants. And so, you know, it was hard to not try to indulge in everything. And so. I didn't go on vacation to get fit. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, I got something else for 2022. So we buy tons of records, right? I think I bought 90 records this year because I'm a nerd and I'm kind of keeping track of yeah. it. But were there any reissues that stood out to you? Reissues. Well, all the typo negative stuff was pretty cool. Nothing extra there, really. And it took oh, me almost dude. a year to get bloody kisses. But Speaking of typo negative, did you get the one that's got the scratch and sniff no, butthole didn't. cover? Because <laughs> I, I didn't know that that came out, but I saw it at a record store when I was like in Arizona. Yeah. And I was like, really? <laughs> they got a scratch and sniff butthole? Yeah, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, I've, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I guess for whatever reason, I don't need that uh, live record. Maybe I'll buy it on a whim one day. Yeah, but it's basically the same thing as the other one. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Origin, oh, the of, the origin of Feces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they had like the other album cover or whatever yeah. that they put out in place of that. But I've got a pretty sick sense oh, of humor. But that's slow, maybe deep, and hard. Much. That's the other one. They're kind of the same thing, right? It's just, oh yeah. no, slow, deep, and hard is their first album. It's just an album. Yeah, but I thought Origin of the Feces was kind of the same like, I think it's, songs. It's just, yeah, it's just the live version. Yeah, of that, yeah, yeah. So really, you don't need like yeah. that, really. Yeah, yeah, not really. Plus, I don't know. Like, is that really a record that I want my kids to come across? Like, oh, I'm gonna go through Dad's records because I'm starting to, you know, get yeah. into this stuff yeah. that he's into, and then come across just a fucking picture of a butthole all. <laughs> 
sprawled out. Like, that's pretty fucking gross, man. Like, Well, did you get the Pantera one with the butthole thing? Well, I did, but uh. <laughs> that one's a little harder to make out what okay. it is. And it's, I mean, <laughs> that's not as bad. Like, I don't know, man. That fucking typo negative one, that is, that picture is fucking disgusting. Yeah. Like, it's just gross. Hey, my uncle was wondering, he actually asked me what butt rock is. I should have been like, that's butt rock. <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of is, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. As far as other reissues, I'm looking like, I don't have good eyesight, so I don't know why I'm looking over my shoulder like I'm going to be able to see anything from there. You know, the Creatures of the Night reissue was really cool, yeah. which you and Kenny talked in depth about. So I enjoyed that episode, listening to it. I never even bought that box set. So, I mean, I listened to it. And I kind of want, like, the big one. You ELP one? Yeah, I didn't get that. And I want it, but I don't. Like, I want the big one because I think the other, what are they? It's, like, demos they recorded at some certain studio or whatever. Yeah, Penny Lane or Penny Road or something like that. Maybe that was, yeah. It was the Penny Lane studio ones, yeah. Yeah. Those were better. Like, I don't, like, one of the demos, there's not even any words. Paul's just oohing and on and shit, and it's like. Like, yeah, he's scatting or something. It's just stupid. It's like, why the fuck would I want this? Yeah. I don't want this. (laughs) <laughs> so i don't know it yeah, was tough true. to pull the trigger spending 60 bucks on that although the live stuff's pretty cool like yeah i would like to have the live shit but i just i struggled with that one a little bit like i'm sure i'll one day purchase it but i just i was all about it till i saw the track listing and then i was less about it when i listened to it and i was just like because to me it just felt like a jip like put all the fucking shit that people are gonna want on the three disc one don't make me spend $300 yeah. on this big elaborate thing just to get, like, the five cooler fucking demos that... Yeah, it was kind of, wasn't it the same thing with Destroyer, though, too? Because some of those demos... You got that one, but yeah. some of the demos are like, oh, here's the instrumental version of this song. It's yeah, like, and it's well, like, I don't need that, yeah. Do I really need that? No, but, another I mean, demo of a song I don't have. Like, not a fucking instrumental version of everything. Yeah. It was easy for me to justify the Destroyer one because my copy of Destroyer is pretty rough. Like, it was my dad's copy from when I was a little kid. So, you know, it wasn't really in the best of shape. Whereas that original copy of Creatures that my cousin gave me, like, was actually in fucking pristine shape and plays perfect. So it was, like, kind of, like, I don't really need another copy of it, if I'm being honest, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, true, because you just got that one over the summer. Once I finally obtain a copy, a good copy of that, they reissue it. But yeah. So we picked out this edition of uh, the end of the year. So <laughs> did you have an easy time narrowing it down to five? I almost had a hard time getting to five. Because that's kind of what I wondered. Because when we first talked, I remember you saying you felt like you bought more reissues, the new albums. and Yeah, man, I don't know. The thing is, is I felt that way too until I started going back and revisiting everything. And the next thing I know, I had like eight. Hmm. Well, seven. I'll say I had seven. And then I kind of struggled because Friday when the Crosses thing came out, like I was really digging that album. and was listening, like I listened to it like three or four times at work that day. But I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I haven't lived with it long enough to know whether it really belongs on my top five. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. With stuff coming out in the back half of the year or whatever, it's kind of like... It's hard. Because it's like, next year I might be looking back going, no, Cross has smoked all those others. But I had an obvious number one Mm -hmm. and almost an obvious like two and three as well. But it it was just like I had seven records that I really, 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 really liked. And man, I had a hard time deciding which ones to toss out the window. And I had more than that, really, that I liked. There was the Ryan Adams album, that FM album. Out of everything he's put out recently, I felt like that was really a good, strong pop album. 
Yeah, that one actually was really good because he's put out a bunch. What was it? Big Colors and like yeah. Chad or something. I can't remember when all these came out. Big but Colors was okay, but then Chad totally lost me. I thought that one was fucking like watching paint dry. That was or no, it was Chris. Or Chris, yeah. Chris, yeah. I knew it was something. Yeah, Chad, Chris, Chad. Bill, whatever. <laughs> but it was but like, no, but that FM one was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it has just a cool vibe, and I thought the songs were actually cool. I don't know, man. He maybe just is putting too much out now. <laughs> like, maybe yeah, dial it back. Cool. Maybe hibernate for a while. And, but FM was solid, you know? Well, he I, did kind of hibernate for a well, while. that's true. <laughs> I guess he did. <laughs> Hence all this. Well, he was obviously writing all these songs. He just couldn't put them out. Because he yeah. was, you know, recovering from being all rapey and stuff. <laughs> so he had to get that out of his system. Allegedly. Allegedly. It's true. It's true. It went away awfully quick. Like, people stopped talking about it awfully yeah. fast. Yeah, but maybe that's just the internet. Everybody's, boom, in your face about something right away. And then it kind of dies off. And then they're like, boom, on to the next thing. Does anybody remember Tiger King? True. See? Yeah, we're not really talking about that one too much anymore, are we? So why don't you start it off with the number five? Tuck Smith's Ballad of a Misspent Youth. Oh, shit. Man, I should have had that on mine. Man, I might just change it right now. <laughs> Ballad of a Misspent Youth is fucking great. And it just comes yeah. in with the fucking, you know, the fucking snare pumping. And to me, it was almost like on the surface reading the song title, I was like, man, that just seems like a dumb fucking name for a song in a way. Like, I don't know. It sat <laughs> with me weird at first on the surface. And then, like, I ended up just fucking loving that song. And then, like, everybody loves you when you're dead. Everybody loves you when you're dead. song i was like first time i listened to it i was kind of like oh yeah but then it just grew on me the more i listened to it like ah this is a really good fucking song you know and so i guess there's not really much more to say than that i mean it's just a catchy poppy record it's like a it's like having a fucking cheap trick album come out yeah with some really great songs on it it's that, like all of his stuff it sounds like a throwback but yet it sounds modern at the same yeah, time yeah it's fresh it's a throwback yeah. without sounding like it's intentionally trying to sound like a throwback yeah i like that word fresh yeah yeah so good job tuck smith thanks yeah. for the new mu- new music in 2022 yeah, because he was supposed to have an album out a few years ago when he was going to be on the big Motley Crue and Def Leppard Stadium tour, but then it got scrapped because I think, didn't he get dropped by his record label? And like they had the masters or something, so he doesn't own his stuff. So he basically had to start from scratch, I think, with that one. And that's just a bunch of horse shit, fucking record labels. Yeah. So anyhow, now that I've babbled for a little while about my uh, number five, what is... But no, good call on the Tuck Smith, man. Thank you. Yeah, Thank the you. golf clap. Why don't you tell us about your number five? Well, I want my number five to be Tuck Smith, too. Well, you can. But I kind of did a cheat. fucking shit the bed. Yeah, I did. I kind of had a cheat, though, because this isn't technically a studio album. It's an EP of covers. So I was kind of like, whenever we do lists, I only include the bands, you know, 
uh, their own originals. Like, I don't throw, like, you know, a cover in the top ten list. I try to stick to their own. Yeah, we always seem to make that, like, the honorable mention or whatever. Or I just leave it off. But anyways, I just made an exception here. So my number five is this group Lake Street Dive. They put out an EP of covers called Fun Machine the Sequel. And I just love the shit out of these covers. Do you have to let it linger? have kind of a weird mix of like ballads and pop songs and i'll just list off what they did they covered bonnie Raitt's nick of time shania twain still the one cranberries linger they did a carol king song pointer sisters automatic and then a burt Bacharach song it's pretty eclectic list of songs to cover too see yeah that's a weird mix but then like i just fucking love especially the cranberries linger cover because i don't like that song at all yeah. you know i think it's kind of like it's always on the radio and it's always kind of like man eh, whatever it's kind of like you know kind of droning and stuff but this one they made it sound like it could be on the soundtrack to a john hughes movie that's cool yeah so they kind of made it kind of upbeat in a way but yeah, I don't know. It just sticks with me. It's one of my most listened to songs of the year. Maybe it should be an honorable mention, but I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to make it number five. Hell yeah. So yeah, Lake Street Dive, Fun Machine, the sequel. That's actually a band I've never listened to. I've heard of them, but I've just never listened to them. Their album they put out last year made my top five. Very interesting. Yeah. I'll be looking forward to checking their stuff out. Yeah, you should do. Maybe I'll try to not start with a cover album, but you never know. Uh-huh. Well, what's your number well, four? my number four... It was an album from one of my favorite bands from back in the day, Under the Midnight Sun by The Cult. I really, really, really dig this record, and this had to make my top five because I feel like there's a lot to this record, and every time I listen to it, I hear something different, and I dig it more. And I think I dig, like, a different song out of the batch more than the last time I listened. Like, you know what I mean? Like, one song stands out to me more each listen. And I haven't even listened to it a ton yet. I listened to it, like, twice the day it came out and instantly had to order it on vinyl. Spun the vinyl a couple times and then listened to it a couple more times, you know, with my earbuds in at work and whatnot. But it's just one of those, I think, that I can enjoy it in the work setting of doing something and having it on. And then I can enjoy it, like, sitting here in my recliner and like drinking my coffee in the morning having it cranked up and really fucking digesting every nuance to it i mean because the lyrics there's really fucking great lyrics it's like if you're in the mood to listen to great lyrics there are great fucking lyrics, but the biggest standout thing to me, I felt like fucking guitar playing, man, was just, I don't know, like his hooks on this record. It's almost like the hooks are more in the fucking guitar to me. I don't know why. I don't know if anybody else really feels that way, but I feel like all the guitar parts on almost every song, it's just like they're catchy. Like he wrote really good fucking melodies. Yeah, within the hmm. within the guitar licks, man. Like they're all very tasteful and very catchy and Man, this album it escaped me because I remember it coming out and I listened to it when it came out, but then I don't know, I never went back to it. 
So they did a record, was it called Born Again, back in the early 2000s? Yeah, because it had a pink cover. fucking horrible. I hated that album yeah. so much. I don't know. It was like them trying to do like some kind of modern pop, punk, good Charlotte kind of thing or something. I don't know. That was my thought at the time. I yeah, really... because the one before it, Rise, was like fucking awesome. That's yeah. when I got into them. Yeah, that was, they, that was fucking killer. And then they did that Born Again album. And man, I fucking hated it. But then after that, they did that... Uh, the fuck's it called something weapon like was it weapon of choice weapon of choice yeah yeah that one and then hidden city the one that came out after it like both of those are fucking awesome like to me they almost like reinvented themselves with like this new kind of more serious darker kind of sound i don't want to say more serious because it's not like they were fucking writing poison songs before or anything (laughs) but but i feel like lyrically he's getting a little deeper and he's going a little bit more in depth and they're experimenting more now almost like they kind of it's like they're moving forward and going backwards at the same time in the sense that when they first came out, they were more of a new wave kind of band. Yeah. But then obviously developed into what made them... Yeah, just a modern rock. Right, yeah. Like Sonic oh, Temple, yeah. you know, by the time that, you know, Electric and Sonic Temple, those two records are really when they were way more just straightforward rock and roll, and then that's kind of what they were known for in the mainstream and whatnot. And I feel like now they're starting to maybe go back to being more of a new wave band, but... Not in the sense of backpedaling and sounding like a 1980s, yeah. you know, new wave band, but more just kind of, I don't know. To me, they just now, these last two records in particular, this one in Hidden City, they almost sound like a completely new band. So huh. I'm going to have to give that a second listen. Then. Yes. Yes, you will. So now that I've babbled at great lengths about that, I guess, <laughs> what's your number four? My number four is one, and I have, like, a whole page of scribbled shit on there. Nobody can see it, but you can. But my number four, fuck, dude, it's just a good album, and it just really kind of, like... I'm going to write a song called Fuck Dude. You fuck just dude. inspired me. How? <laughs> it's my, that should be our new band. Fuck Dude. Band of Fuck and Fuck Dude. <laughs> fuck Dude will be the punk rock, kind of pop <laughs> punk. But, but anyways, basically, you kind of said it with the Colt, where they've kind of like, maybe not really reinvented themselves, but with the last two, they've kind of like found their niche or something. And I feel like Ozzy Osbourne, he's kind of the same way. So my number four is Ozzy Osbourne's Patient Number 9. It just kind of sounds like maybe for a while in the 2000s, you know, when he had uh, the Black Rain album and the other one, I can't remember, back, what was the one that looked like his arms out like a cross? I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name of it. I was going to say Back on Earth, but that was a song. But anyways, the one with his arms outstretched, those seemed really modern rocky at the time, like he was trying to capture that sound. And maybe the Colt was doing the same thing. They were trying to capture like a modern rock sound with Bob Rock. And now Ozzy's kind of almost kind of not really reinvented himself, but kind of just kind of been maybe re-inspired. Like his last two albums, Ordinary Man and this new one, it's like they just kind of smoked the last like five or six albums that he's done. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been necessarily that big of a fan of the last two Ozzy, Ozzy records, but... They're at least interesting. Yeah. There's at least good songs, and there's some different dynamics to them. They're just more interesting than any, anything else he's done since Osmosis. I'm with you on that. Yeah, because it kind of feels like 
as good as Ordinary Man was, and I loved it, maybe there was a little too much overproduced kind of guitar tones or something. And this, it doesn't have that. It's like it kind of uh, strips away that a little bit and lets the guitar like shine a little bit more. Because obviously there's like Jeff Beck and Tony Iommi, Zach Wilde, Mike McCready on there. There's like so many guitar gods or huge guitar players on oh, there. Yeah. Clapton and yeah, I mean everybody, everybody just, but me. I wasn't asked to play on it, <laughs> motherfucker. Thanks, Ozzy. Yeah, no, it's. I think that that was a wise move on his part because I think that it did keep it interesting. It made yeah the songs are a little bit more unique and have more dynamics and whatnot. I don't know, like Zach Wild first joining his band. Yeah. It was like the perfect time to bring somebody different in because I think everybody likes to romanticize about what if Randy Rhodes was still in the band. Because those first two albums are kind of like the fucking Ozzy records. Uh, yeah. To me, Blizzard of Oz is always going to be the best. But if we're being honest, like it, I think, takes... Ozzy sounds like Ozzy all the time. Like He's not a very dynamic singer. He yeah. just kind of does his one thing. And I think <laughs> that his career... He has all the different guitar players to thank for that because each record sounded a little different from the last one because he only was doing like two records with a guitar player. Yeah. You oh, know? true. Yeah, because the Jakey Lee was just two, yeah. and then the Randy Rhodes obviously was two, but yeah. maybe not. Um, you know, out of his choice. Right. But I mean, so you bring mm. in Zach Wild and fucking those first two, you know, were fucking great, and then Osmosis was maybe where his sound just started to get a little stale. I mean, it was like, oh, No More Tears was produced really fucking great and big sounding. So then they tried to kind of do it again with Osmosis, but like it was like more intentionally made into like a pop record kind of, you know what I mean? Because MTV, like No More Tears was so successful in the MTV era that then it seemed like, oh, okay, let's keep cashing in on that. So then they kind of made like a watered down version of No More Tears. With yeah, Osmosis. really, because he actually wanted to retire and there was a No More Tours, but then the record label's like, hey, like we want another one. So yeah. they just kind of did one just to do one. Right. I think if we're being honest, like it was too many records with Zach Wilde. Yeah. You know, like he needed like something fresh. Something to kind of just give his sound something different, you know? Yeah, which is kind of the case with these two, Ordinary Man and then now Patient Number 9. It's like he really didn't need to do them, but I think he just kind of wanted to. He was inspired, and then yeah. it comes like they're successful because there was just an eclectic amount of outside inspiration, I guess, between different guitar players and different collaborations with co-writes and whatnot. Yeah. I even looked at that, too. Um, it was kind of interesting. I wrote this down. So it was 10 years between Scream, his last album, and then coming back with Ordinary Man in 2020. So there's a 10-year gap. And then he does Patient Number 9 this year. Basically two years between Ordinary Man and Patient Number 9. How you were saying, it's kind of like a two-album thing. But then the last time he did that was Bark at the Moon and Ultimate Sin. There was two years between those. So it's been like over 30 years, almost 40 years between him doing two, like, back-to-back. -back. Yeah. He's obviously, you know, I don't know, his best days are behind him as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And as much as I actually kind of dug the new record, I mean, I couldn't get into it enough to where I listened to it more than twice, you know. It had its moments and stuff. Yeah, there are a lot of songs on it, too. There's like 13 songs, 13, yeah. 14. So it is kind of a lot to digest. 
Yeah, in a day and age where we're all guilty of maybe not having the attention span to do so, but yeah. my number three, I felt like it just kind of was a way to segue yeah. into this. So uh, one day, this was a while back, uh, Denny texted me about this record, and I thought he was fucking joking. I thought he was fucking with me. And he's like, <laughs> hey, I've been jamming this lately, and I'm like, I think I just replied back with something like, are you fucking serious? And so it was this record called Sometimes Why by Yellow Wolf and Shooter Jennings. Believe what they tell you to believe in that's control. Well, I thought Yellow Wolf, like, isn't he a fucking rapper? Like, yeah. You know, so I checked the song out and I was like, oh, fuck, what the hell? Like, the title track, Sometimes Why, it was really fucking cool. It was like this total rock song. And so I was like, okay, well, I didn't really expect that. And that's weird, but okay, I'll check the whole record out, I guess, because that's kind of a pleasant surprise, you know? And man, the whole fucking thing is really fucking good, dude. I mean, there's a couple songs, you know, kind of towards the end that are maybe a little, they grew on me a little bit over time, but they're still probably not my favorites. But I mean, dude, this is seriously a fucking hit. Like, one, it's one of those records that's like one hit after another. Like, I couldn't believe what I was listening to. I couldn't believe it was Yellow Wolf. Like, this fucking like huh. isn't he like a country rapper or something? Yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't Shooter Jennings do the last Manson album too? I think so. He's produced so much lately yeah. that it's hard to keep up with. But well, you know what? Too fuck you, Denny, because I thought he was my musical mentor. And he's supposed to be telling me stuff to listen to. He didn't tell Well, you he that didn't one. tell me to listen I to this. I should have hipped you to that one, I guess. Yeah. Dude, Hole in My Head, Rock and Roll Baby, Make Me a Believer is a fucking really cool song. Very mm. killer sounding. I mean, a lot of this record is very, if you like the killers, like, I can't see you not liking this record, yeah. you know. But then there's, I mean, there's, I don't know, some cool, like, mellower stuff. I, I don't know. I. It's kind of funny because this probably, we just had a conversation where he brought that record up again. And so I started listening to it again because this was all the way back, like the beginning of the year, like the first quarter of the year. And I yeah. hadn't listened to it in probably six months. And so I might've just forgot about it making this list. Had we not brought that up in a conversation again and it had me going back and listening to it. And I was like, fuck, hmm. this did come out this year. Like I, I got to put this on the list. Well, shit, I'm intrigued. That might've even been, that might've even been what reminded me to bring it up to you because I think I just kind of randomly out of nowhere text you like, Hey, is the next episode, the year in top five? Like, yeah. I feel like it has to be right. You know, I kind of want to do the Aerosmith one next, the next Aerosmith. I was oh, kind of yeah. like riding that wave of, yeah, well, we got Aerosmith. that. We got like another, got to do the non-makeup kiss. And yeah. God, there's a lot. Yeah. So anyhow, that was my number three. What you got for a number three, my number three. And it's not just cause I talked to the dude who made the record, but my number three is Audrey Horn's uh, Devil's Bell. That album, and that band's just been kind of a kick in my ass since the pandemic. I actually discovered them because of you. You talked to that, what's her name, Guernica from Thunder Mother? Oh, yeah. And she said she did some tour dates with Audrey Horn. And I'm listening to your episode, and I'm like, wait, it's the name of a character from Twin Peaks. So then I was like, I gotta check out this band. And yeah, the last two years, I've been all about Audrey Horn. It's pretty cool, because they're kind of like how we talked about throwbacks with Tuck Smith. 
It's like Audrey Horn sounds like sounds like a total throwback sound, but they make it modern. It's like the first couple ones I got into, they sounded like they were doing like a Thin Lizzy, like Judas Priest kind of thing or something, but they made it sound more modern. And then this new album, Devil's Bell, is just way heavier. It almost kind of sounds like a new wave of British heavy metal. Kind of, it's like that kind of metal, which is the metal I like. I'm not really should I'm, be if you're gonna call it Devil's Bell. I'm into <laughs> metal, but I don't like the what, 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 like screaming stuff. You know, where they're yeah. just growling and stuff. I like the kind of clean vocals they say where they sing. This was just a good album that really just hit the spot for me. Hit the spot like these beers and Bloody Marys. Yeah, fuck yeah. All right, that's All my right. number three, Audrey Horn, Devil's Bell. All right, so I got to check that out. You got to check out the Yellow Wolf. Yeah, man. I got to do my homework. So my number two is from a band. I don't know why. I was going to try to come up with some way to build this, and I just got <laughs> nothing right now. <laughs> I got nothing. So I'll just say the name of the album is called How Do You Burn? By the Afghan wigs. No. I discovered that this album came out. I heard like one song. I saw the one video. They put like a music video out over the summer. And I watched it. I was like, oh, cool. New album coming out. Fucking stoked. And I follow them on all social media, right? Yeah. Instagram, Facebook. I guess that's it because I don't really do any of the other shit. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Does Greg Dooley have a uh, TikTok account? Probably not. <laughs> but anyhow, so I really dug that. I was excited to get a new record from him. And then like one night I was sitting out in the garage and I just started playing some music. And I'm like, oh, I haven't listened to the Afghan Wigs in a little while. So I'm going to throw them on, find one of their albums to listen to. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> I saw the new album and I clicked on it. And I'm like, I thought maybe there just was going to be like a new another new song or something, but it was like the whole fucking record. And I'm like, hmm. when the fuck did this come out? It was like two months before. So the record came out like two months prior to this, and I didn't even know. Maybe they did a surprise drop like Taylor Swift. I, I don't know. I just felt like I was a bad fan. Like, oh. you ain't no fucking Afghan Wigs fan, <laughs> poser. You didn't even know it came out. So anyhow, I listened to it that night. I was pretty lit, so, I mean, I dug it, but... <laughs> I didn't really digest it that much. And then, like, but I ordered it on vinyl right away, which was really cool because then, like, while I was ordering it, I found a copy of Congregation on vinyl. And I didn't have that one, so I hmm. fucking ordered that too. So, I mean, it was like a $60, $70 evening in the garage. But, you know, I go to, find, go to order one brand new album and then find another one that you don't have. Like, oh shit, I got to order that now too. Did they come in a plastic bag? They came in a box this time. Oh, they were okay, good. These were these were good. They weren't like the uh, copy of Iron Maiden's Killers that I was supposed to get. Got like some like seriously, this record shows up on the doorstep. No plastic bag, nothing. Like it just was. They slapped the fucking shipping label on the <laughs> shrink wrap. That thing looked like it went through a wood chipper by the time it got to me. I swear to God, but. Uh, <laughs> That was fucked up. And it wasn't even the right record. Yeah, it was like Saga or something. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? How do you fuck up this bad? You grab the wrong record. Okay, that happens. Yeah. But then you don't even put it in a box. You don't even put it in a bag. You don't put it in anything. In anything. Like, they just put the label right on the cellophane. How the fuck? Dude, that cellophane <laughs> was barely intact when I got it. Oh, my God. I'm just like, what the fuck, people? Got my refund. It's all good. 
So I thought about reordering it, but I'm like, do I? I mean, what am I going to get next time? Hmm. You know, am I going to get like a cassette that already has the fucking tape pulled out of it? Maybe that should be the next episode. Up? We just do like we just check in with you and your like random like shipping records or something. Well, like, what did Brent get in the mail this time? And it's like a new series of A sides. I'll tell you what, I think I think it was Denny and I that were talking about how we could probably do a whole podcast on just bitching about different products and customer service at different places. Yeah. Just be like crotchety old dudes fucking bitching for an hour. So how do you burn by the Afghan wigs? Great record. Highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> but no, I really seriously, this record starts off so fucking great. I'll make you see God. Cool fucking title. First of all, but it comes in just, I don't know, no intro, no nothing. Like it just kicks in and it's just a fucking song. Like, you know, just has like, a, I don't know what that was that I just did, but yeah, uh, just comes in with a kick drum. Come, come. It just has a good opening song that grabs you right away. Whereas then the but then the rest of the record, I think you know some of it takes a little bit more to digest and everything. But that's a lot of their stuff anyhow. Like I don't feel like most of their shits like on the surface kind of. I, I I guess I gravitated for the most part and when making this list. It's maybe half and half. It's maybe like a couple of them are just really obvious pop records where the first listen every song was cool and catchy. I feel like. For the most part, like this one and the Colt record are very much alike in the sense that there's a lot to dive into there. And I think every listen, you get a little something different out of it. And those are always the records I really like. Because I know that five years from now, I'm still going to be listening to this thing going, oh, fuck. But what about that? Like those records where like you loved them for so many years and then all of a sudden 10 years later, like the two songs that you never liked are all of a sudden now your fucking favorite songs on the record. You know, like those are always the most fucking fun for me. Most feel like the Killers album, the Killers last couple ones, or at least Day and Age and Battleborn were kind of the same way for me. Took more to like the songs that you didn't like at first. Yeah, like they just really are like, boom, they smack you in the face later. Yeah. Fuck. Those two albums are fucking great, man. I mean, those to me were the last great Killers records. I liked the some of the newer, the last couple were cool, but to me, they were almost like flawless through Battleborn, you know? And then after that, Flawed. <laughs> I don't know. Flawless and then flawed. Whatever. Well, I guess we're down to... We're at your number two, right? Yep. Number okay. deuce. So my number deuce, but I guess all of my... Looking at this, all of mine are the opposite of you. All of these seem to be the first listen. I'm like, holy fuck, this is like the best thing ever. My number two is Dorothy, Gifts from the Holy Ghost. I had never listened to Dorothy before until this year, and Scott Stevens, who I talked to on the podcast last year, back in the spring, he posted that he worked on Dorothy's new album with a couple songs, and I was like, well, shit, I'll check this out, and then I fucking loved it. I loved it from day one. It was like a kick in the ass. It's like modern rock, but I don't know. It's just hit the spot. Wrote down a couple uh, tracks to highlight A Beautiful Life, Rest in Peace, and Touched by Fire. 
I guess I got to listen to them. Yeah. I never did check that one out either. I don't think. Or maybe I think I did check out one song. I feel like maybe I checked out a fucking video or something. She's kind of doing like a thing where I don't think she did this on her previous records, but now she's got kind of like a leather, like hard rocker thing. And it kind of seems like a share vibe to me. Share in the 80s where she had like the leather jackets and shit. So she's rocking a thong on a ship full of sailors. <laughs> I was going to see her on tour in uh, Joliet and drag Kelly along. It was Dorothy and Dirty Honey. And I actually thought, you know, okay, I'm going for Dorothy. And I thought maybe I can kind of meet my girlfriend in the middle because she would probably like Dirty Honey because she kind of likes that bluesy rock sound. Well, she actually, in the meantime, getting into the bands, she liked Dorothy more than she liked Dirty Honey. Well, that's saying but, something, because Dirty Honey, I mean, I saw them live opening for the Black Crows, and they were fucking killers. So, yeah. You know. All right, man. Well, that was my number two, Dorothy's new album, Gifts from the Holy Ghost. So what Dig is it. yours? My number one. We're on to number yeah. one. Shit, we're moving on. So my number one is definitely one that I did not expect to make have make my list back first hearing about it, I should say. Once, I li- once the record came out and I listened to it, I was blown the fuck away. And it, I knew it was going to end up being, like, one of my favorites of the year. I don't think we're going to have the same one. Oh, I don't think so. This band parted ways with their original singer years ago and has not made a good fucking record since the last record with him. Like, I mean, I've maybe been guilty of not giving them enough of a chance, but everything I've heard did not do it for me. Hmm. First song comes out on this record, and I thought, man, this singer's fucking killer. The song's kind of generic, so I don't know what the fuck I really think about it. All right, I know what it is And then now. they started doing the live shows, and this dude is killing it. But I'm still just like a naysayer. Like, I'm like, this, this record's not going to be good. Yeah. But when it came out, I gave it a chance because the dude was such a fucking killer singer. And it's probably been the only singer that they've had that can actually do the Sebastian Bach shit. Mm-hmm. And nail it and sound... As good as Sebastian Bach did back in the day. I said it. Fuck you, haters. I'm saying it. The new fucking Skid Row album, The Gang's All Here. Dude, this whole fucking record, the only one that I think is kind of stupid, except it's kind of grown on me, even though it's dumb, is that Time Bomb song, which they put a video out for, and I was like, why the fuck did they make that a single? Like... This song's stupid. Like, it's the only stupid song on the record, and you fucking made it a single. But, like, it's stupid, but it kind of grew on me. Because yeah. I guess, like, if this came out back in the late 80s, early 90s, you wouldn't think it was stupid. Because all the shit back then, lyrically, was fucking stupid. <laughs> you know? Like, but you like it because it's fun. That was yeah. the whole point of the fucking era. And, dude, I'll tell you right now, this is not going to probably be a comment that the diehard old school fans want to say or want to hear but i'm going to say it because i grew up on skid row the band not mm-hmm. living on skid row personally but <laughs> but, <laughs> but i but i'll tell you right now i loved the sebastian bach records the first record was fucking amazing slave to the grind totally just that was like the segue record that made me a metalhead that was like the one that was like that was my gateway drug into pantera like i don't think had i not listened to slave to the grind and been like oh fuck this is totally heavy and then like was able to digest that and then that was like the stepping stone into heavier stuff like pantera subhuman race though the the follow-up album like i really dig some of that stuff they kind of went darker but they also like have some really 
blah moments to where like I don't go back and listen to that record very often. Okay. And if I'm being honest, like I think this record is a more so- solid record than Subhuman Race. You know, as far as just a front to back fucking ass kicking rock and roll record, like yeah, because like I agree with you. This one's just boom. It's like solid rock. It was probably because Slave to the Grind is so good. It's like how do you follow that yeah. up? Well, and the thing is, the more alternative stuff on Subhuman Race was the better stuff. Breakdown or breaking down that song. It's kind of oh ball- yeah, you even did that acoustic, like when you did some acoustic yeah. shows. Yeah, dude, I love that song. To me, that's one yeah. of their best. That's one of the best Skid Row songs ever. You know, that was a great song. There was you know, there was some really cool songs on that record, but there was also just a lot of stuff that I thought was cool when I was younger, when the record came out. But then now, like I go back and listen to it, and I just don't get into them. I don't know what it is about that record that just lost me on a lot of it. It just doesn't hold up for some reason. But this new one, man, I mean, it's like they really put out a fucking album that it sounds like a classic record. From the first listen, man, it just sounds like a classic rock record. You know, I'm sitting here, like, ranking one through five. I think I always say that it's too hard with, especially with these different bands. They're all totally different kinds of bands. So it's not like one record's better than the other. But I put this one at number one because it was such a fucking surprise. Was kicking the ass. Like, I expected to, you know, at least like the Afghan Wigs record, you know. Ended up being fucking great. Same with the cult. Like, I just knew they've kind of been on a kick to where I just had a feeling it was whatever they put out was going to be a really cool, interesting record and everything. And, you know. I think that helps, though. When you kind of have no expectations for something, you can really just kind of digest the whole thing as something, like, fresh on its own. But if you're going into something like, oh, man, their last one was fucking killer. And then the next one, you got these expectations, and you're like, well, wait, this didn't sound like that, you know? Right. It's kind of like, yeah. No, it was a pleasant surprise, to say the least, man. And that Eric, what's his name, Eric Gronwell or whatever? Yeah. I might just be fucking hacking his name up. But oh, man, no, I think you're on the right track. But kudos track, yeah. to that fucking kid because, I mean, I don't know how old he is, but I think he's younger than me, so I'll call him a kid. But anyhow, fucking great, man. I mean, he, look, everybody's all pissy pants about doing a Skid Row reunion, but, like, dude, Sebastian Bach is not going to sound like Sebastian Bach. Like, this kid is yeah. singing circles around Sebastian Bach right now. I'm not saying he's singing circles around Sebastian Bach 1992. I'm just saying... That right now, Skid Row has the best singer they could fucking have. Oh, yeah. I don't fucking care about... You don't need to bring Sebastian Bach back into the band. I have a lot of respect for that band not wanting to bring Sebastian Bach in. Because everybody's just like, well, imagine the money they could make. You know what? They probably have imagined the money they could make. And they probably just don't fucking care. To me, they're actually the band that, judging by their actions, they're more in it for the rock and roll and for the music. And just to be a band versus cashing in on the fucking payday, you know? Yeah. And that, to me, is a little bit more commendable and, well, not even a little bit, but a lot more, you know? I mean, yeah, they could have been on the fucking stadium tour. Get Sebastian Bach back in the band, bam. It's Skid Row, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, you know, and whoever the fuck else they throw in there in the mix. Tesla or whoever, right? But Skid Row would have easily been the perfect choice for that stadium to where had they got Sebastian Bach back. But you know what? I fucking commend them for not doing it. I think they're just living in the moment and living in the future, not living in the past. They just want to be a rock and roll band. 
You know, hey, at this point, Sebastian Bach's been out of the fucking band for almost, what, 30 years? Damn near. I mean, well, not 30, but 20-something, anyhow. Yeah, because probably, yeah. Like what you're saying is if, sure, if they get Sebastian Bach back uh, for a huge payday or something on a stadium tour, it's not going to last. So they're trying right. to think long-term instead of, like, you know, short-term. Yeah, he'd just be, they'd have to fire him again. Yeah. Because he's a pain in the ass, you know. And they wouldn't have written this record. Yeah. Because they would have been too busy, like, I don't know, fucking spatting with that motherfucker, like, you know, arguing and everything else, <laughs> that there wouldn't have been, like, I mean, I think this kid came into the band and breathed, like, this new, fresh fucking, yeah. like, he lit a fire under all their asses. Like, they look like a band. Um, Because I think they worked with, what was it, Nick Raskolinix? Oh, yeah. Or something. So, yeah, that dude, anytime he does something, it's usually pretty good, too. Yeah, because he's a fan of the music, and you can just tell, like, he's a producer that gives a fuck and is all in, you know? Yeah. Enough about Skid Row. Let's talk about Andy's number one. My number one, you could see it from a mile away. Even Stevie Wonder could see it. You probably know it right now. You could probably... Dude, I really don't. I mean, you'll probably say it, and I'll go, oh, okay, but... I didn't put any thought into guessing what yours would be. Well, what do you think, though? So far, it's just been a surprise. Oh, okay. I, Dude, I really don't know. I mean... Oh. All right, my number one is Ghost and Pen. Oh, yeah. 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 No, now that you say that, the other day I I saw that somewhere and I go, oh, that's going to be Andy's number one. Yeah, because I think I don't have Spotify, so I don't have the huge, you know, Spotify like here's your Spotify unwrapped. But Apple Music kind of does the same thing, yeah. just not as blatant or something. I don't know. Or I never see anybody post about their Apple Music stuff. It's always Spotify. Yeah. My Apple Music thing, I listened to Ghost for like, I don't know, 7,000 hours this year. Maybe not 7,000 hours, 7,000 <laughs> that's, minutes that's pretty or fun. something, but it's it seems like I listened to it all year because it came out at the start of the year, and I've never left it. I bought like five copies of this album, <laughs> and I don't even know why. I think I was just like... Was there different colored vinyl? Yeah, or it's just different color. Or so, it's the same cover. So I got the thing, the black... A typical black. Then I got the Orchid Indie Store record. Because I was like, okay, I'll go to co-op and get that one. Well, then I was at Target buying stuff. And Target had like a pink one that had the artwork as like a poster. Then there was one, I guess, I don't usually go to Walmart. But Walmart had a Coke bottle thing. And then I bought another one from like Zia, this record store out in Arizona. And they had a blue one. So I was like... Well, shit, because I actually forgot I pre-ordered that one. And that one came after I already bought the one at Co-op. So anyways, I got a whole bunch of copies of this album, but I fucking love it. And it's just like, I don't know. At first, I thought Ghost might be like a novelty band because they're singing about Satan. Oh, hell, Satan, Beelzebub. But then like, I don't know. Now on this album and the last one, they're fucking like an arena rock band. They just fucking pumped up the, the sound of the band. And even like one song that's my favorite song on the album, it's Griftwood. It kind of starts out with almost like an Eddie Van Halen do 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 riff. I don't know. There's a lot of shit going on there, but they're not yeah. like they're really not satanic on this album. They're maybe more political. Yeah. So it kind of grabbed me too. I mean, I'll say I like the new one. Yeah. I think as far as any of the Ghost albums go, this one 
was the most, I guess, digestible. Maybe I'm just not a big enough of a fan of what they did. Like, I wanted to like what they did, but I didn't. Yeah. Like, uh, there was, like, one You've song You've really here, wrestled with that a lot. One song there. About it, yeah. yeah, but, like, this one, actually, I really did. I liked the new record, and it had a couple songs that I thought were hands down the best thing they'd ever done. So, mm-hmm. I give them props, you know. I think I would have been maybe... Had this been like their first or second record, I would have been more of a longtime fan. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of their past stuff sounded like watered down to me. Like you got all this satanic shit going on yeah. and then like, but then they're not, I don't know. They're just, a lot of it just was weak. But then they had moments like uh, Year Zero that was just like, oh shit, like if every song was that fucking cool, then like, yeah, count me in. That song was the shit. And the video was fucking killer. Like legit creepy. It reminded me of like a 1970s, you know horror film about the occult or something (laughs) but it just it's one of those things man like the whole novelty of it i guess i wanted to really like and they just never really drew me in but that new album and i can't remember the name of the song specifically might have been like the first single they put out you said it was something i thought i wanted to say you said the middle of the album you really dug i haven't listened to it in a while now like so was it uh call me a little sunshine yeah that song is fucking awesome yeah and they got nominated for like a grammy award for that song too that song is fucking yeah fucking yeah (laughs) that's all i gotta say about that oh man because even the first single from the album didn't really grab me because that came out as part of the Halloween Kills movie or something. Oh. And it kind of didn't grab me as much. But yeah, Call Me a Little Sunshine was kind of... Even the title, I'm like, well, this... I don't know. That sounds dumb. But then the song was kind of cool. It does sound dumb, but it's, I think that's to me what yeah. made it cool was it has like almost this stupid, I don't know who the fuck should have sang that lyric, yeah. but I don't know. Sounds like something... I don't know, like a kid for a kid song or something, yeah. but then it ends up being like this satanic metal band, right? But yeah, I like the one at the end too. It's called Respite on the Spittlefields. And just looking at the titles, I thought, what the fuck are they coming up with for these titles? These <laughs> right. are dumb. But then that song is kind of like an epic uh, thing too. Yeah. Or something. I don't remember that one so much, but yes, yeah, the album closer. I'll have to, I'll revisit that album though, because I did like it. Yeah. I was inclined to buy the vinyl, but I didn't for whatever reason. Well, you can have one of my copies. I got enough. (laughs) Spare me one of them. How many blue copies you got? (laughs) Well, I tell you what, this was a good episode. I think we babbled on longer than I expected to. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. I got some stuff to check out and really need to dive back into that Colt record. Hell yeah, sir. Well, thanks for... You know, recording another episode. Thanks to anybody that made it through this whole episode of listening to my bullshit and Andy's bullshit. Yeah, or this whole year. A whole year of episodes. Yeah. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy Chinooka. That too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hey, until next time, cheers. Yeah. A little bit wild, a little bit crazy